I'm James Hahn II. And no Mark LaCour. And you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode 29.5. Surprise, guys. This is a .5 episode. We are going to start doing these every now and again. We're not sure exactly when. Whenever we can really, whenever we can sit down and talk to someone who is doing big things in the marketplace, and I got to say, crushed it out of the box. We've got Jeffrey Hazlett. He is an amazing man, someone I followed uh, quite closely for quite a while. He just released a book. I have it here in my hands called Think Big, Act Bigger, The Rewards of Being Relentless. And Mark will tell you, as soon as I saw the book trailer, I sent it to him. I got, gosh, I'd love to interview this guy. And we're lucky enough to get him uh, for an interview. And so uh, before I just go off uh, in all of my fandom for Jeffrey, let me just read his bio. Oh, knocked something over. Jeffrey Hazlett is a global business celebrity, a primetime television show host on C-Suite TV, and a radio host on CBS's radios, uh, CBS Radio's Play.it and C-Suite Radio. From small businesses to international corporations, his creativity and extraordinary entrepreneurial skills have enabled him to lead ventures, blending his leadership perspectives, insights into the C-Suite and business strategy, mass marketing prowess, and affinity for social media. He is a well-traveled public speaker, the author of the best-selling books, The Mirror Test and Running the Gauntlet, and as I said, now Think Big, Act Bigger, The Rewards of Being Relentless, um, and one of the most compelling figures in business today, I would have to agree. Jeffrey is a leading business expert cited in Forbes, Success, Mashable, Marketing Week, and Chief Executive, among many others. He shares his executive insights and commentary on television networks like Bloomberg, MSNBC, Fox Business, and C-Suite TV. Hazlett is a former Bloomberg contributing editor and primetime host and has appeared as a guest celebrity judge on NBC's Celebrity Apprentice with none other than Mr. Donald Trump for three seasons. Drawing upon an eclectic background of business buoyed by a stellar record of keynote speaking and public appearances and deeply rooted in cowboy lore, Jeffrey energizes his role driving and delivering change. He is a turnaround architect of the highest order, a maverick marketer who delivers scalable campaigns, embraces traditional modes of customer engagement, and possesses a remarkable cachet of mentorship, corporate corporate governance, and brand building. This is freaking awesome that Jeffrey took the time to talk to us. And I was supposed to put it out last week, but I'm glad I didn't because uh, this link came across um, came across my feed yesterday, and I wanted to throw it out to y'all. Think big, act w- bigger. The rewards of being relentless. Uh, win a celebrity experience trip to New York. This is freaking awesome. Um, so, TV and radio host and author of uh, of of Think Big, Act Bigger, Jeffrey Hazlett invites you to register to win a red carpet global celebrity business trip to New York City. It's so cool. So, uh, the landing page is at triberocket.com forward slash think big. So tribrocket.com forward slash think big. And so here's what you can win. 
two first-class plane tickets, two nights in a suite in a luxury hotel, Gotham helicopter ride from, from the airport to Chelsea Piers, a limo ride from Chelsea Piers to, uh, to, the, to, a, to your luxury hotel, private tour guide, you get to attend a live TV taping, you get two producer passes to a Broadway show, a private dinner at I Lily's, I Lily, uh, I'm, I'm screwing that up, um, but I'm going to throw in the plus the luxury items because I know y'all would definitely want in on a bottle of 21-year-old Glen Fittich single malt whiskey, <laughs> as well as a case of Jessup Cellars wine, a box of uh, chocolate, I wasn't going to try and pronounce the name, and a box of cigars. So you get whiskey, cigars, partying. Uh, partying in luxury in New York City. So you can enter to win that at tryrocket.com forward slash think big. The deadline on this for anybody who might listen to this in the future is November 4th. So if you're listening to this before November 4th, head over to tryrocket.com forward slash think big and you'll be able to enter to win. If it's after November 4th, well, you're going to have to book your own first-class plane ticket and helicopter ride and buy your own 20-year-old single malt whiskey. But, ladies and gentlemen, I give you none other than Mr. Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeffrey Hazlett, welcome to This Week in Oil and Gas. Hey, it's good to be here. Hey, man. So we've been connected somewhat through the National Speakers Association over the years, I saw the video for Think Big, Act Bigger. The day it came out, I remember I sent y'all an email and said one of the images were broken. And because I think maybe there was so much traffic going to the site, it brought it down. Because well, that, the, that or you just had a crappy computer. I'm not quick. Hey, I have a MacBook Pro, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I love, I love the video and I love the message. And I said, man, this, this is an oil-filled message right here because it's uh, – well, why don't you say, get your shit together, right? Exactly right. It's a hardcore. It's hardcore, and it's tough. You know, it's hard. That's what business is. It's called it's called hard work, but it is hard. That's the reason why we call it hard work. Right. And I've yeah. been watching businesses, you know, for a long time not make moves, and that's the most dangerous move you can make. And whether, I don't care whether you're in the oil and gas industry or you're in the retail business. Right now, we're seeing a lot of mistakes being made right now by businesses not taking action. And... That is absolutely true, um, probably to a great extent right now in, in the oil field because we have low prices and a lot of people focusing on that and letting that control their lives. But you talk a lot about how stories and people using stories negatively against themselves to control their lives. So we can get into that in a little bit in a second, but let's get a little bit of your story. Where do you come from? You know, I'm from South Dakota. I'm a place that most people only know on a map. I grew up in a military family. My father was in the military. We lived all over the U.S. And we finally settled in South Dakota a couple times. I met my wife and went to college there. And then we went on and, and you know, grew our families. While I went off and did a bunch of corporate jobs and various entrepreneurial uh, activities. I bought and sold over 250 companies to grow over, you know, uh, 25 billion in transactions. And I went on to become a Fortune 100 office. Fortune 100 at Kodak, yeah? Eastman Kodak. I left there about six years ago. Yeah, I was uh, one of the top five officers in the company, and, and it was a dream come true to work for such an iconic brand, even though they had the troubles that they had and, and difficulty transitioning into a, you know, a digital market. 
Um, but the things that are still there today are the, are the pieces that I helped to bring to the company. And, and, and that portion of that company, what it is today, is doing really well. And that was an interesting time back then because it, the writing was on the wall and people were saying, you know, Kodak isn't moving with the times. You being in the company then, w- were you an advocate and a voice that are saying the similar things? Well, in, in both ways. No, we weren't moving with the times. And in some cases, we were moving well ahead of the times. It just depends on what it was. You know, the, the key thing is not to be the business you used to be. And that's the problem. See, everybody would come to me and say, Jeff, make it like it used to be. I don't look like I used to when I was 20. I look better today. And that's the attitude that you have to take in business. And just like in the oil and gas, don't, you know, don't sit there and whine and cry about what's going on and what's happening to you. Change it. And that's, that's the story you have to get into. It's not to believe the story. So, you know, we can't do that. You know, I've got in my book right now, Think Big Active, I have over two pages of just excuses. And I'll guarantee you those excuses are being used right now in the oil and gas industry, just like they are in any business. And I, quite frankly, have not found it to be different in any particular industry about that. Meaning, uh, oh, we've tried that before. And, or it's not in the budget, or, you know, I can't activate on, uh, on social media today because Tuesday's the best day. Give me a break. You know, this is about eliminating excuses, about taking the self-imposed limitations, and that's usually what they are. Are, are there market conditions? Without question. But even in bad times, companies do well. Yeah, there. And, and, and there's per, there's a ton of examples of that of, of companies all around the oil field who didn't get over leveraged and are now picking up acreage at pennies on the dollar and in in taking advantage of things. And so that we we hit on this a lot on the show about having a long term view on things. So you must know those excuses though, because no one comes from from perfection in in everything. So what what was the pivotal moment in your career? Where where did you start, and, and how did you start on this trajectory? Well, I don't know. It hasn't happened to me yet. I mean, that's my point. It's like, I believe you're constantly changing. You're constantly evolving. You're constantly getting better. It's called continuous improvement. And so, you know, I've had people come to me and say, well, what was your biggest failure? I don't know. I haven't had it yet. What's been your biggest success? I don't know. I haven't had it yet. So, and that's the way I look at it. I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm just trying to say, that, look, I don't get caught up on that stuff. And I especially don't get caught up on failure, you know, because I see people, oh, it's fail fast. Are you kidding me? Failing is for Yes, let's hit on that yeah. fail fast. Let's hit on yeah. that because uh, Mark Schaefer, Mark Schaefer and, um, and Tom Webster just did a, an, a podcast episode on that, on the marketing companion. And this whole, this whole notion of failing fast, and it's definitely more of a, of a Silicon Valley digital thing because I think people in the oil field definitely haven't haven't been infected by that bug so much but it it is certainly a business culture problem so what is the philosophy of fail fast and why is it wrong well i just don't like it i don't failing fast is for losers i want to win fast i mean that's what you want to do in business every single day i've never seen anybody hey let's just go to put together a program right now invest in my company so we can fail fast are you freaking nuts i mean we don't do that i mean we build we build companies we want to grow companies. We want to win fast and you want to win fast. You know, somebody once asked, you know, Thomas Edison about his 10,000 failures, you know, that he had with the light bulb to get the light bulb right. So I didn't have 10,000 failures. I had 10,000 wins and what not to do wrong, you know? So I thought that was a great, great way of being able to put it. 
And, you know, and that's what you have to do in business. So don't wear failing fast as some kind of badge of courage or a notch that you can put up. I mean, I don't even remember half my failures because to me, that was part of the learning of what you had to do to win. And I constantly got my eye on winning. And I know every single relentless winner out there, the, the, the folks that are really delivering it big, thinking big and acting bigger are those that are focused on winning fast, not losing fast. I'm looking at your list of excuses here, and it needs to be vetted by legal. <laughs> oh, I hate oh that my one. gosh. Yeah. See, <laughs> the, legal isn't supposed to vet things. Legal is supposed to take care of making sure I don't get in trouble, which I guess you could say vet. But when you say that they're vetting things, then you're giving them the power to say it's okay, you can do it or not. You know, I once sat down with a CEO, <laughs> and he, this is one of the greatest things he ever taught me, which is they're not there to tell you what you can't, you know, can't do. They're there to tell you what you're allowed to do or can do. We're doing it. You just tell me the best way to go about it so we don't get in any trouble. I mean, and they're not there to make business decisions. They're there to make sure that you don't get into trouble. And, you know, I always tell people about this in terms of you're, you're there to cause tension. Leaders, that's what we do. And in sports, there's a saying, no pain, no gain. So in business, we should have tension. We should be the chief tension officers. We should be pushing it at all times, pushing the edge of everything that we do. And not from a safety perspective, safety in terms of being safe, but I'm, I'm not talking about risking people's lives. And I know that in the oil and gas industry, there's people that are listening, and you, you deal with that every day. I'm not talking about that. No one advocates that. But I'm talking about primarily business decisions. And the last thing I want is the legal department determining my business uh, acumen and my business direction. And it has to start with knowing who you are, and that's that's one of the lines that, that I actually underlined as I was reading here. If you don't know who the hell you are, how the hell you how how the hell are you going to be someone? How do exactly. you how do you figure that out though? <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta have a sense. You know, a sense of it. The people as we 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 question ourselves. Stop questioning yourself. Step into it. If you're you know, look, I'm six foot three, two hundred and sixty pounds. I can't pretend I'm a little guy. Okay, I can't. So stop that. I'm not going to do it. Somebody, I once got an HR director who came up to me and says, you act like a, a freight train, a semi-truck, a Mack truck. I said, and your point, you know, <laughs> I look, you know, I, I, and I said that, and I didn't mean to hurt her feelings. She started crying, by the way, but I didn't mean to hurt her feelings. I don't tend to do that. But I, what my point was, I am who I am. I'm not changing that. Okay. And that's, you know, that's, that's what my role is. That's what my duty is in terms of the way I, I do companies. And by the way, if you're the biggest introvert, then own it. Own it. Be that person and, and live with it and understand it. Don't try to change yourself. Well, I don't get that stuff. Use that as a great advantage because, you know, the, I've got introverts that are working for me. They're some of the best people in the world because they do their jobs really well, the things they've been hired, and they use that skill set to their advantage to be the best at what they do. And so that's what I mean by own it. You know, it's hard enough. You know, someone says, uh, you, know, you know, would you be someone else? It's hard enough being me. Why would I want to be somebody else? And that's a that's a big problem in business, too, is is people trying to not only on the personal level, but at the business level, trying to be a business that they're not and not really understanding their core function. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's take it back to oil and gas. You're in the oil and gas business. You're not in the green business. I'll do respect. Now, I know you might want to try to paint it as being green, and it's okay to have green practices, but you're not a green company. It's it's just not it's not that's not what you do. And I'm trying to I'm look I'm a I'm a pretty savvy smart marketing guy. 
guy and business guy. And if I do say so myself, but my point is own what you are and, and step into that and be the biggest, baddest, boldest version of that or of you. Because anything less than that, you're cheating yourself, you're cheating your company, you're cheating the people that you're working with. And this, this is another theme that, that just strikes really home to me because we do have this tendency in, in the oil field because there's such a huge green movement out there that we, we're almost, um, you know, walking on eggshells, coming, coming forward, hat in hand, like, we're sorry we still use these fossil fuels, but we kind of got to right now. So if you could, you know, if if you could just let us do this, we would be, you know, that's that sort of mentality. Stop it. I mean, look, look, you, you, the, the, nobody expects that. We've, we've solved that a long time ago. We're not going back to cars that don't run on gas. I mean, will we run cars with other kinds of technology in the future as part of that? Yes. But the gas and oil industry is here to be around for a long time. It's a natural resource that we have to use. And by the way, you're made up of people who are called roughnecks, who are called drillers, who are called, you know, all kinds of, you know, all kinds of uh, Riggers and everything else, all kinds of different terms, and I apologize if I screw everything up. But my point is, how can you be nice and fluffy? You can't. So there's no need to be. I'd much rather know that I've got real people doing real jobs and delivering me real product with real service at a real quality than than faking it. And so, and that's my point about owning the story and being that big bad version of yourself. Now you don't have to, you don't have to beat somebody over with a wrench, you know, over the head with a wrench. But you can be who you are, and once you once you do that, it really makes things so much easier in the way in which you market, sell your business, and go forward as a company. So, talk to us a little bit about irrational leadership. <laughs> I love that. Yes, you know, I do love that, and the reason I say that, and I actually said that, you know, you have to be a little pig-headed sometimes and a little irrational, which really kind of goes against the grain. In fact, the first time I heard it. I was filming a television show for Bloomberg, um, a show which is called The C-Suite with Jeffrey Hazlett. I was on Bloomberg, and I'm filming that show, and I'm with a company in San Diego called Life Technologies, which has been mapping the human genome. That we're going through a, a buyout of about $13.4 billion, roughly, give rough numbers. Um, and they were about a $4 billion company. They put a couple companies together and then acquired about 40. And I'm with Greg Lucier, who is the CEO of the company, a former executive at led at GE and then went over to become the CEO of this company. And Greg was speaking at a local gathering of Harvard MBA alumni in San Diego. So I went over with the cameras and we filmed him talking to get some footage and just to hear what his message was. And in the message, he actually delivered a line that says that leaders must be irrational. I went, what? And I wrote it down, circled it, underlined it, put exclamation points. I said, man, I'm going to grill him. How can you be irrational as a leader? Leader of a publicly traded company, especially a scientific, you know, research company, a biotech company. Oh my gosh, this is crazy, you know. And then he said, "Here's what we. Here's why I say that." And it made perfect sense. He said, "Sometimes we have to tell our folks that we're going from A over here and up here to point B, but you know what we have to do is we have to stretch it a little bit, and we have to tell them we're going a little bit further to C to actually really get them to point B." You know, and it made so much sense. And so that's where I got how you have to be a little rational. So just like when you used to play football for those guys and gals that are out there listening, remember when the coach in basketball, you know, that, that's a more of a cross-gendered sport. 
And when you're playing basketball and the coach asks you to do a couple more ladders or a couple more laps around the court and you're exhausted, you're tired, and you think you're going to die if you run one more lap, yet you do it and you didn't die. It's the stretching of that, the pushing of that, and that's inherent upon leaders in the business to be a little irrational, to say, look, I need more, I need more, I need more volume out of the well. I need more um, more sales. I need a greater penetration in the market. We have to drill deeper, you know, and we have to go faster. We have to deliver, we have to deliver it with greater quality. That's what I mean by leaders have to be a little pig-headed and a little irrational. Say it after me, no one is going to die. There you go. I love that. That's, you know, it's up to us in our business to take this. Now, again, let me point out that I don't need any of you writing me letters or calling my mom to tell them that I'm being mean or, or, or stupid. I'm not talking about taking risks with people's lives. I'm talking about risk with the business. Most like a marketing team or something. But we, we need to be a little bit more edgy. And if you make a mistake, no one's going to die. You know, I listened to a publicly traded company CEO stand up and he missed his earnings. They, they were migrating. This was a company called Autodesk, migrating from a shrink wrap software company into the cloud. And they forgot to take into consideration that here's a company that helps companies make build bridges and highways and buildings and infrastructures. And, and it takes decades sometimes, you know, to complete those projects. And yet halfway through, he's saying, we got to go off that shrink wrap software and go to the cloud. And the companies rebelled and said, there's no way. I can't do that. And so they made a big mistake. And so they were a little bit more aggressive on their sales goals and missed them by pretty big margins. And... He come, came on the conference call, uh, his earnings call, and said, last, last quarter was a mitigated disaster. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> you know, who the hell says that on a call? Publicly traded CEO. But what he did was he said, look, we took a risk, and we didn't think it all the way through. You know what? No one died. We're still a company. We're still growing. Yeah, we didn't grow as much as we thought. But you know what? I'm going to be honest with you about it. I'm going to be transparent about it, and no one died. And I thought, wow, how smart is that? And he did the right things for his customers. And so I actually did a television show to talk about that because I just thought that was so cool. I love that because one of my personal isms, and I wrote it here in the margin, is calculated risk is highly overrated. Because yeah. I say that because I, my story is that you know I was working in, in Detroit, Michigan in 2008 and 2009 as an AT&T small business account manager. Didn't really like what I was doing, but I was making deep, really good money for the fact that, you know, the business I was calling on were half, half of them were going out of business because <laughs> it's Detroit in 2009 and um, eight. But I, I had this bug to be a speaker and to start my own business. And so what did I do? I quit my, you know, 70,000 job and moved in to Lansing, Michigan, my mom's basement said, okay, I'm going to be a health coach and a speaker. And I was patting burgers during the day at a place called the Peanut Barrel to feed myself. And then I would leave there and put on a suit to go to a networking event. And I did that for about a year and a half. And and then when, once I moved to Texas, I ended up at a company called Drilling Info and thus, thus begun um, an awesome career in oil and gas. And now with Tribe Rocket and if you would have sat down with a uh, with a spreadsheet and said, "Okay, here are your here are your assets and here are your your liabilities," um, 
well, I didn't really have any assets, only this idea that I believed in that I could go and and do something big. And I, I, I guess I was naive enough to just not even think about failing <laughs> because I just, okay, I'm going to do this now. And certainly when I got that job at Drilling Info, because I, I, okay, I better go get a quote unquote real job now. I looked back and I thought, man, I really, I really failed there. And man, should I have done that? And now when I look at that, I'm, I'm nothing but happy about that decision. And that's where that comes from for me, because had I not been irrational enough to just go out there and, and do what I believed and, and, and followed through, I wouldn't have learned all the stuff that brought me to this day to be able to help oil and gas companies drive traffic leads and sales. Well, sometimes what we do in business is that we look at things as black and white or as numbers and on a spreadsheet. And that's not always the best thing to do because the one big factor that we fail to put into the equation is what I call the you factor, not you. And the ability to want to do the things that you want to do. And, you know, I have, I talk about personal conditions of satisfaction, of mutual conditions of satisfaction. And I was doing an interview earlier this morning and they said, what's the one big thing that most new business owners fail to, to do? And I said, they fail to understand the conditions of satisfaction. That is, what is it for you that, that drives it for you? You know, for me in everything I do, I try to, one, I want to build wealth from me and my family. That's how I keep store. Um, building wealth and making sure I'm paying for the bills so that, you know, you do the landscaping at home or buy some new land or I'm, I'm saving up for a tractor right now, you know, things like that. <laughs> um, and then the, the second one for me is I got to do something that's interesting, meaning I want to learn. I'm always intrigued. You know, I can go off and do a bigger job today. I can take a CMO job for a fortune, quite frankly, a 10 company for that matter, could I've been off of it, but I don't want to it's not the things I'm going to learn anymore. Well, I've learned it, okay? Not that I've learned everything, but I, I enjoyed that. It was fun. But the third, the third part is having fun. I need to have fun as part of that activity. And those are my three personal conditions of satisfaction. So, you know, in your job, you know, whether you're starting off as a brand new speaker or, or as the folks that are listening, you know, no matter what you're doing in that particular uh, uh, position in the oil and gas industry, what are your personal conditions of satisfaction? Because, you know, even in downtimes, when you guys are going through this now in the industry, you're seeing some of that, although some businesses will do really, really well, even in downtime. That's always the case with every industry. Then this is a good chance for you to really take a look at it and say, am I doing the right things? Do I want to be doing what I'm doing today? Is it getting me where I want to go? And I think that's a great way for you to think big and act bigger. And one thing I know that you enjoy just from reading the book is that you enjoy um, maybe killing things in the outdoors, <laughs> um, at least ki- well, at, at least you, killing I squirrels. Yeah, I get killing squirrels. I thought you were going to talk about bacon. I love bacon. bacon. Yeah, I, well, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bacon and scotch. If you could have a bacon scotch, maybe a scotch, a bacon flavored scotch. Would be pretty good too, I mean. But yeah, no, I talk about killing squirrels, and killing squirrels is kind of a, an example. Um, I do, I do like that. I do a lot of it back in my home in South Dakota. But when I'm talking about killing squirrels, there's a, there's a movie called Up, and I doubt a lot of the guys know oil gas and watch this animated feature uh, from Pixar or Disney. And it, it was a, sh- a show that had an Ed Asner character and a little Cub Scout that was with them, and they went on this uh, adventure, just call it that, and they met Doug the, Doug the Talking Dog. Now, Doug was outfitted with a collar that allowed him to speak, and so when he would 
he would be looking at you and panting. You could hear his thoughts, and he would say, "Hi, I'm Doug Productive Dog. It's a pleasure to meet you." And then he would yell, "Squirrel!" And he would look away because he got distracted because that's what dogs do. And so, what happens in our businesses, and what happens in our career, what happens even in conversations like we're having now, is every once in a while we go and we yell, "Squirrel!" We get off on a tangent. And so, for your business, your career, uh, you know, even your relationships, you know. It's focus. Focus is the key. And so what you ever once in a while you have to do is kill a few squirrels and make sure they're not getting in the way of doing the things you want to do. NSS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, exactly. Which stands for well, I, call, I actually I call it. I know what it stands for. It stands yeah. for, for the listeners. It stands for no-ish, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll well, well, that I, like, I like, I like, a lot of times I'll call it, I call it Tycho in the book. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> right, right, and and another another one of these outdoor men, uh, outdoor uh, uh, sort of analogies, and it reminds me of and I I, I incessantly quote Mr. Jim Rohn because I would consider myself a student of Mr. Rohn, uh, and and he he says he says don't don't join an easy crowd, go where go where the competition is high, go where the stakes are high, and you talk about the 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 mentality of. Uh, or, or the philosophy of finding a bigger pond. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times I have a lot of, I do a lot of investments in companies. I sit on about 15 boards today of various companies, public and private companies, startups to major billion dollar companies. And one of the things that happens is a lot of smaller companies come to me for investments or to, to take a look at their company and they'll say, well, we don't have any competitors. And I say, well, if you don't have any competitors, well, then there's some problem. Because that means you don't have a market. And, you know, look, I'm from South Dakota. And when I was doing the stuff I was doing back in South Dakota, consulting and marketing and PR, things that I was doing years and years ago, I finally realized, you know what, I can do this in other states and I can charge more for it. You know, I'm doing a good job and I'm really good at it in South Dakota, but why not go be good at it in three other states or four other states? Or how about nationwide? How about go to New York? How about once I get to New York, how about I do this between New York and Tokyo, which is what I did, you know? or China, or India, or in the UK, or in Australia, you know, which I've bought and sold companies there and been there a hundred times. You know, so you sit there and look at, find a bigger pond. So once you catch all the fish in that pond, go find a bigger pond. You'll find bigger fish and a lot better way of doing it. And by the way, when it comes to your enemy, that's the biggest, baddest enemy you possibly can, because that's, that's just, that, that rates you as well. Rate you as well. And one of the biggest fish on the on the uh, world stage today that that you happen to catch was Mr. Donald Trump. Well, I, he he is pretty big. He's a big guy anyway. He's about the same size as I am. He's a fairly big guy. Most people don't know he's about six foot three. And, uh, big, very tall guy. So uh, yeah, I met Trump. Uh, we I, I was on the Celebrity Apprentice for about three years as a judge, and uh, we had some products on there that we helped to sell via his show. And uh, got to know him through Miss Universe, Miss USA contest. Um, worked with them for a while after I got out of uh, my Kodak gig, and uh, and and still consider him a friend of that. There are so many directions to go with that one. But, <laughs> well, you know, it's a long ways to go before November. Um, you know, I, I'm wishing him the very best, and you never know what you know. What it only goes to prove you that America, anything can happen. And that's a pretty cool thing. And whether you like him or not, whether you agree with him or not, he's raising he's raising the debate. 
And more people are taking an interest in politics because of what he's saying and what he's doing than have been in a long time. And let's give him credit for that. The thing I appreciated the most about about his his appearance on the first debate was, yeah, I bought you, I buy you, I buy all these people. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and and so exposing the hypocrisy of the system um, from the outside while you're center stage uh, does it that that made me smile. Um but I wanted I brought him up because of the 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 line in the book that well there's no way he'll will get in touch with him. Oh yeah, I remember that. It was a it was sitting around a room, we're looking a way to, to take a product and get national exposure with it. I said we we brainstorm on it with me or somebody said, let's go do it on the let's put it on the apprenticeship. And that was a great idea. So let's go do it, get it done, let's go. It's a great idea, let's move, let's go. And they said, well, we, we can't get it. We can't get it. We don't know how. So they called Donald Trump. And they said, well, we can't call Donald Trump. So I literally, I picked up the phone, got an outside line, dialed, you know, 411, and I asked for Donald Trump. And they said, I can say exactly the conversation. The operator said, we don't have a Donald Trump, but we have a Trump organization. I said, well, great. Give me that number. And they gave me the number, and I, I then dialed the number, and I said, I'd like to speak to Mr. Trump. I said, I'm sorry. He's not available, of course, you'd expect that. And I said, well, can I speak to his assistant? He said, yes, sir, you can. So I put me through to his assistant. Um, Rona, Rona's still there, by the way. Um, Rona answered the phone. I said, Rona, this is Jeffrey Hazel, Chief Marketing Officer of the Eastern Kodak Company. You may have heard of it. She said, yes, I have. She goes, I love Kodak. I said, well, so do I. And I'd like to speak to Mr. Trump. I have a business proposition for him. I said, I'm sorry, he's, he's high up right now. And, He's not taking the call. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I've got like $2 million to spend in the next half an hour. I'd like to spend it with him. So if he can call me back in the next half hour, that's great. If he can't, tell him we'll pass. And we, I'm sorry to have disturbed him. And I appreciate it. And thank you very much. Here's my number. And uh, I hope to hear from you. But if I, if, I, if I don't, I understand. And he called me back within 15 minutes. And that's how we got it on the show. Um, you know, and, and so I didn't have to spend that much money. And, and at the time, they didn't even have the Celebrity Apprentice going on. We got to talking about it and, and we started spinning ideas and they put me in touch. He put me directly in touch with Mark Burnett. I called Mark Burnett on his cell phone. And then we were, we were the first product that was, that was on that show. Um, and then we went on to, to be on the show for the next three years, which was one of the best things we ever did for sales. It doubled our sales. It was huge, huge, huge thing for us. And that's a, that's a great point to wrap on because I, one of the quotes that I wrote on my whiteboard here, just because you believe something isn't possible doesn't mean it isn't true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You just, if you believe it's not possible, it'll never be possible by the way. So stop thinking that. Think big. Come on. It's so much more fun. To think big and act bigger and be relentless. I mean, if nothing else but to piss off your enemies, just go out and have some fun. Baby. Right? Yeah. It was uh, that was um, uh, 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 revenge is the best. Uh, is revenge is is the best um, payback or whatever? That's what Sinatra yeah. used to say, right? Yeah. I, I like don't get mad, don't get even, just get ahead. That's what I say. Absolutely. And, and I think that's the best thing to do. I don't get too caught up in my enemies, but every once in a while, I like that fun. Baby. But every story has to have a villain, right? Well, then there's a lot of them. <laughs> and if you can't find one, that means it's probably you. 
and own that if it is. Exactly. Step into it. <laughs> I love it, Jeffrey. Well, thanks so much for uh, being on the show. Um, I'm I'm good for now. So uh, are you ready to get out of here? You know, I hate to go, but I we, we have to. We have to we, we have to live by deadlines. And I know people that are listening have to get back to work. So do great work, pay it forward, and we'll see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. Now, now I'm trying to do it over again. All right, from the top, one, two, three.